Today's episode is made possible thanks to Casted, the world's first B2B podcasting platform. We literally couldn't afford to do this show without them. So please go support them. If you are in B2B marketing, Casted is building a platform for you. They help you host, distribute, market, and measure your show with an emphasis on using content that was previously invisible all across your marketing and sales teammates and channels. So from show landing pages to transcriptions to a clipping feature for sharing your best quotes and stuff, Casted wants you to own your show on your domain and market that great stuff not market a third-party app. Own your audience, use your show to build your brand better. Visit casted.us. What should we talk about? Seems like a pretty innocent question, doesn't it? But when you try to make a show others love, it bears repeating. What should we talk about? That decision can be paralyzing. Do we talk about everything that relates to our industry if we're B2B? Or do we talk about some kind of narrow subset of topics, or maybe just one core problem or idea? If we're B2C, do we talk about culture and society very generally? Or do we act like broad entertainment or lifestyle publishers? Or do we somehow zoom into a topic or theme that, sure, it's tangential to the product, but it's still relevant? Regardless of our sector or company size, it feels like we could focus our show on kind of anything. It's like the world is our oyster, a giant overwhelming oyster. And somewhere inside an oyster the size of a a world of topics, a whole planet, there's one tiny pearl that we're looking for. Today, we're going to take a look at a show whose topic might turn some heads because very few marketers could pull off what they do oh so well. And honestly, few marketers should try. And yet, maybe you are someone who should. All that plus how the Marvel Cinematic Universe already taught this brand what to do next on their show. This is Three Clips. Welcome to Three Clips, where we make sense of great podcasts a few little pieces at a time. It's a show about shows from marketing showrunners. How many times do you think we can say the word show in this episode? (laughs) Literally all of the times. I'm going to take up every last instance that the entire world has available left to them to say the word show, Uh, which makes this next line really ironic because I was going to say this. Marketing showrunners covers and let's call it MSR. MSR covers and advances the movement of marketers making, you guessed it, shows. I am Jay Akunzo, the founder of MSR, and joining me is that uh, equally sarcastic person you just heard, the site's managing editor, Molly Donovan. (laughs) That's me. I am, in fact, the managing editor of MSR. And you can stay up to date on everything we're up to by joining folks from Red Bull, Adobe, Salesforce, MailChimp, the BBC, and more by subscribing to our super exclusive newsletter, MSR Monthly. Head to our website, marketingshowrunners.com, or click the link in our show notes. You just said show a million times, too. This is going to be a theme, people. (laughs) Buckle up. If you're not interested in shows, you don't want to listen to a show about shows. Anyway, today, we're going to deconstruct the show inside Trader Joe's. It's a podcast from Whole Foods. (laughs) Just just kidding. Uh, Actually, you know what? Imagine if Whole Foods made a show where they went undercover into Trader Joe's. Actually, you know what? I'd rather see the reverse. Let's send the scrappier, smaller, social good-minded TJs Uh, into Amazon-owned Whole Foods to discover, oh my God, not only is there gluten-free food not gluten-free, but they have a machine that injects gluten inside all their food at Whole Foods, dooming the U.S. to bouts of madness and cannibalism. Or whatever the heck gluten supposedly does to people who aren't actually allergic to gluten. Honestly, I'd watch that show. I'd listen to it. I would. I would too. I mean, I personally, I have a a shaker of pure gluten that I bring with me everywhere. That must taste good. It's really great. So anyways, Inside Trader Joe's is a podcast which answers the question, what should we talk about? But it does so in a really rare, somewhat dangerous way because they talk about themselves. So is that a good idea as a group of marketers? We'll get into that. Uh, But just some context on the show briefly. The show has 20 episodes live as of December 2019, and they release roughly one episode per month. Episode runtime is anywhere from 17 minutes to 28 minutes, so pretty short. 
And the production style, I think, helps them stay short. It's really heavily post-produced. They have scripted voiceover from their two hosts, plenty of music, and they actually do field reporting. So the two hosts and whoever else they have working on the show behind the scenes will go around the country to Trader Joe's stores and other places in the field. Uh, That means lots of travel and logistics and capturing natural sound and in-person tape. And speaking of the people who are capturing all this sound and, and speaking to us, the two hosts, I learned this on one of the episodes that we listened to, Molly, they've been at Trader Joe's 17 years and 26 years, respectively. So I think that's pretty incredible in today's day and age. Um, the episodes cover anything from inside Trader Joe's. So they've done how the how the produce arm of their business works, like where do they source the produce and what's popular. They've done a live episode from the annual captain's meeting. The heads of their stores are actually called captains and their workers are called crew members. And they've even done an episode all about cheese, obviously. Uh, So from talking to crew members, to traveling the world in search of various flavors, sampling product, to corporate values and hiring practices, they truly take you inside their company. But is that a good show? It's tough to say, but I think we're going to try to do that today. But first, we need to give you, the listener, a feel for their show. So let's go now to our next section, the studio pitch. You know something I like about you, Jay? My impeccably coiffed hair? Uh, nope, that's not what I was going to say, but that's also (laughs) nice. No, it's that you just, you just get it. And the thing is, as showrunners, we need so many people to just get our shows. Bosses and peers, listeners, partners, people who would fund the show and people who would build the show. And, of course, we want listeners to share our show to their friends so those friends can just get it, too. But the fact is, describing a show so others get it can be tricky. So let's today draw some inspiration from Hollywood and explain today's featured show in a classic studio pitch. So, Jay, how would you pitch this show? Okay, so I'm actually really proud of this one. I'm going to go with Inside Trader Joe's is like Gimlet Media's startup meets Akimbo from Seth Godin. So little context on both shows, just in case people aren't familiar with it. So startup, so Gimlet Media makes very highly produced narrative style podcasts. They got acquired by Spotify and they were started by Alex Bloomberg, who came out of, uh, he was a, a producer for This American Life for many years. He also started the famous show Planet Money. And he then started Gimlet Media. And before he had any shows, any investment to speak of, any employees, even any co-founder, he was documenting his process of building Gimlet Media into a show called Startup. And they've since done a bunch of seasons and they've kind of moved around what the theme was. But I think their best seasons are when they profile themselves. They go inside the making of their company because that's really what got the show its start and blew it up. I mean, it's super, super popular. So Gimlet Media Startup has this self-referential show approach or concept but it's also very highly produced which inside trader joe's also is so obviously it has the referential stuff self-referential stuff but it's also highly produced so they're able to maybe cut out some of the stuff that seems a little too heavy-handed i think startup was a little bit better at that sometimes tj's does come across as a little marketing-y in their show which we can talk about but so that's the startup side and then akimbo uh, a-k-i-m-b-o from seth godin He takes one overarching theme in episode, and then he introduces you to the theme in pithy fashion, but then what he does is he stitches together lots of little anecdotes and riffs and examples and moments, and they're all kind of separated by subtle transitions, which is also very similar to TJ's show. So it's like this this insider self-referential feel of startup meets the production quality, uh, or the production style rather, of Seth Godin's like magazine-y vignettes for a show to explore one theme an episode. So that's my pitch. Uh, Molly, how would you pitch Inside Trader Joe's? Okay, so I would say that Inside Trader Joe's is like Inside the Actor's Studio meets A Taste of General Mills. Oh, and I like that one. Oh, that's you. a good one. Thank you. Um, and I'll preface this by saying it's honestly nothing at all like Inside the Actor Studio, which, you know, is a, a show that focuses on one actor kind of talking about um, their process and their tips and tricks and their li- life and their work. Um, 
except that that show focuses so squarely on one person and just allows them to go on and talk about themselves in one room without kind of um, doing anything else or talking about anyone else. And that's also exactly what Trader Joe's does, but just about the brand itself. And so it's that self-referential type of uh, of uh, podcast or about of show that you were talking about. And that's kind of breaking the cardinal rule of show running where you're not really supposed to be as explicit about talking about yourself as each of these shows are. But in both cases, I think fans are curious enough to look past the self-referentiality and feel like they're getting some real insider access to something that they already care about, or at least I would argue that they are. Um, and a taste of General Mills is actually really similar in concept to Inside Trader Joe's. It doesn't really leave the grocery aisle, as it were, in terms of the content it covers. It talks about things like why are people so obsessed with pumpkin spice now, um, and other things that would impact um, people who care about the products that General Mills creates, which might kind of overlap with people who care about the products that Trader Joe's produces. So that is the mashup that I would pitch. All right. Uh, first impressions, snap judgments. These are not the three clips, but this is our snap judgments section where we try to just quickly listen and make immediate first impressions. And this is from episode nine, around the world in 80 Trader Joe's products, parentheses, give or take. From the Trader Joe's mothership in Monrovia, California, and from around the world. Italy. Israel. Greece. The Republic of Georgia. Japan. Korea. New Zealand. And stop. I... Well, you go ahead. You go. You go first because I know this is the the sh- a show that's near and dear to your heart, Molly. So you have the burden of knowledge. So how do you unburden yourself and approach this as a, as a listener who might be new to the show and maybe also not a marketer? So Mo- Molly, stop being yourself and then analyze the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, I think so. As you know, Jay, I am one of those people who is encroaching dangerously onto super fan territory of Trader Joe's, um, not necessarily of, you know, just their podcast, but of the store in general. I really, I enjoy shopping at Trader Joe's and I like it for a lot of the reasons that I think Trader Joe's wants me to, which is that it's, um, friendly and it feels smaller and more manageable, but it also is kind of exotic. They have products from all over the world. I am a big fan of like their vegetable pot stickers and also their Indian food. That's really good. So this episode caught my attention right off the bat because they seem to be talking about how they get those international products and the diligence that it takes to get that and to get those in store. That, that's like a, a thing you'd be interested in if you are interested in TJ's, if you're interested in grocery, if you're interested in retail, if you're interested in business. Like there's layers of this like Russian doll style where the core of it is I love Trader Joe's. Um, what do you learn about the show as a marketer from that clip? I get I get it from the, the fan perspective, but what about as a now put your marketer hat back on and like what is it that the show is conveying in the first 10 seconds to you? There are a couple of things that I noticed in those 10 seconds, um, what they did in definitely post-production where they included, or they introduced, a, a sound clip of, um, of like a plane taking off. So it immediately situates the listener where they want you to, where you feel like you're jet setting along with the people who are, <laughs> you'll come to find out, spoiler alert, are going to be featured on this episode, um, who are employees of Trader Joe's who go all over the world. So they do a good job of doing that and kind of situating the, re- the listener right away. Um, they're also, they, Trader Joe's has, and I think anyone who is familiar with the brand understands this, that they have a very distinct aesthetic and distinct kind of tone. And it's really kitschy, like really cheesy and friendly. And just, they're very aware of how kind of like nerdy dorky kind of friendly they are. And I think that they do they do that right off the bat too in this episode by saying from the Trader Joe's mothership in Monrovia, California. Like it, it feels um, the way that Trader Joe's feels when you go into the store and you read their fearless flyer and you interact with their employees. Yeah, I think it's from my experience, you have so few seconds to grip someone. Everything you say has to be at once delivering something valuable in those words and purchasing someone's attention for the next 
X number of seconds. And what I see most branded shows do is they blow that opportunity. They front load housekeeping. So what I liked about it was they just start you. And yeah, the housekeeping is from the Trader Joe's headquarters in Monrovia, California. And then they say, and around the world, and they start popping you through these different voices. And it creates little implicit questions like, who are these voices? Also, I can sense that there's a high quality style to the episode if I've never heard the show before. If I'm a a returning listener, I'm also thinking about, wow, this is different because usually we're not going around the world. There's not this many voices on other episodes. So there's something in it for new listeners and for returning listeners to say, huh, this is not going to be boring. This is going to be worth my time. And I think that we, we underestimate just or maybe overestimate rather we overestimate how many seconds we have to get to the good stuff and i think the way you get to the good stuff is you just start start with the good stuff preach okay cool i will preach i will preach (laughs) all the time i will start a show about shows so i can preach and maybe also (laughs) a blog about it (laughs) a blog about it Uh, let's start a whole media company covering marketers making shows how about that a really Um, good idea we can call it marketing podcast runners it doesn't quite have a ring to it we'll have to think about that a little bit more we'll figure it out yeah Let's go to the next. We'll do uh, two more clips really quick. Let's just keep playing the same one. Let's keep going. Where else in the world are we going to go? We're going to play the next 10 seconds from that same intro for this episode. Here we go. Mexico. Thailand. The United States. Let's go inside Trader Joe's. Okay. There's not a ton there because they were listing off so many locations. No. I, I did pick up one thing, though. They make it feel like an event. Ah, well said. Yeah, they do. Right? Don't they? It's like when you... Honestly, I have shopped at Trader Joe's before. I am a fan. I'm not quite as into it as you are, Molly. And it's... I don't want to just... <laughs> don't judge me. Yeah, well, I, I'm judging you a little bit. Um, <laughs> we're not going to do just shows of companies that we buy from, obviously. And nor should we treat this show like a way to just hype things that are good. But I do think one of the things they did here that is good is is they make each episode... And this is an example feel like such an important thing it's a moment it's special to them you could tell so it should be special to you in your day and the way they do that there is they give you these little tiny dramatic pauses and the music hits at exactly the right time and those two little details a little dramatic pause in the right place before you end a sentence or after and the music hitting at the right beat that makes it feel premium. It makes it feel like an event. And best of all, that doesn't really cost a lot of money. It's just about the craft of it all. So I, I just think that they make it feel like an event. That's what I gleaned from that that little 10-second edition. Did, did, was there anything in there for you? Any first impressions? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, to your point earlier about how this is signaling that this is something for, you know, new listeners, but it's also for returning listeners. I think they do that really well in this short 10 second segment. Uh, first by just kind of going on about the, the sheer volume of countries that they're visiting, it takes up almost 20 seconds of their opening to just list out those countries. It's a ton. It's a lot. So I'm, you know, as a, as a listener, my, my interest is peaked. I want to know what they're doing. And I, I didn't realize that they go to that many countries to get the relatively small number of products that they put on shelves every year. And also, you know, they introduce their recurring hosts. And as a listener, you feel kind of, you feel kind of good when you hear the the host that you're familiar with return. Right. There are times where I think marketers use lists way too much, period. But there are times where the large number at the beginning of the list can be attractive. I, I would argue that 101 SEO experts give their prediction for 2020 is maybe something that's just unbearable because A, how many more blog posts about SEO do we need? And B, are you going to read 101 people's predictions, really? I'm not. No. No. But in this case, you're kind of wondering, I'm seeing this is only going to take me a little bit under 21 minutes to finish this episode. So how in the world are we going to go around the world to all these locations? So I actually think they do raise the stakes by giving you all those all those locations. It's really, really kind of cool. Um, man, this is there's a lot in not a lot of time, isn't there? Right? There's a lot yeah, here. There we is. Have, we've listened to 20 seconds. All right. Again, this is not the three clip section. We're going through snap judgments. Let's do one more little segment. We'll keep playing that same part. And uh, we'll make some snap, ju- snap judgments at the 30-second mark. So here we go. This is the, the last 10 seconds we'll play from the intro. I'm Tara Miller, the director of Words and Phrases and Causes. And I'm Matt Sloan, the marketing product guy. This episode is titled Around the World in 80 Trader Joe's Products, give or take. Okay, let's stop there. 
I, I let it run a little bit longer because it was sort of mid-sentence, but any knee-jerk reactions, lesson learned? Like, what are your what are your snap judgments for the show now that you've heard the first 30-plus seconds? The first thing that I think, and it's, it, you know, this was not the first episode that I listened to of this podcast, but it is something that they, um, it's a recurring component of their show where they introduce these two hosts. And it catches me every time that, um, that she says she's the director of words and phrases and I think clauses. Yes. Uh, yeah. But not yes. causes, right? I can't tell if it's clauses or causes, but I'm guessing clauses, um, given the context. And I really like that. I mean, it's kind of like Trader Joe's, um, you know, they call just like general store managers, they call them captains and they right. call the teammates instead of employees, they call them crew members. And it's like this whole very specific vernacular, which kind of reminds me of like Starbucks and how Starbucks redefined small, medium and large just by introducing Italian words. And uh, Trader Joe's has its own language and that applies not just to the products and to the people in the stores, but also to the titles of the people in corporate, which is um, a relatively smaller uh, segment of their store. We get the feel of the show, not just from production value, but from the personalities of the hosts, obviously. And they have conveyed something very important here, which helps you self-select, is it for you or not? And if it's for you, it's very for you. And if it's not, it's very not because <laughs> you're <laughs> you're rolling your eyes if you're like, this is way too quirky and over the top. Are you serious? Is that really your title? But if you... Are you rolling your eyes? Um... It doesn't matter because it's not for me. This, we're not talking about if, if Trader Joe's is it's trying to podcast for me, right? It's for the the people who really love Trader Joe's, right? When you talk about yourself and going deeper into your own brand, it's for people who already like your brand. No one is no one is listening to the show going, huh, uh, well, I don't know what Trader Joe's is, but I, I kind of want to check this out. I mean, maybe a few are, right? Because they give you enough like uh, entertainment value, but... For the most part, the way they position it publicly, the self-selection process of seeing the logo and seeing it's inside Trader Joe's, you really have to go through a lot of uh, relationship building steps with somebody to get to the point where they're like, I really want this show, right? So I, I, my hunch is that this is for their super fans and, and the halo around those super fans that those fans will bring to them, right? They'll bring the casual fans deeper and the super fans will stick and stay and talk about it. Yeah, Absolutely. But it's wildly quirky. I mean, that's what you get here. It's a wildly quirky show. Is it for you or not? They actually probably want you to decide because if this show is too quirky for you, the store is probably also too quirky for you. Yeah, and I um I was listening to a Freakonomics podcast on Trader Joe's that came out a couple of years ago, and I think it was called Should America Be Run by Trader Joe's? And one of the things that they talk about is how um, Trader Joe's doesn't really have customers. They have super fans. And I think you're right. I, you know, I don't think that they're trying to get, you know, the person who would be going to the, you know, bodega around the corner or to Whole Foods or to stop and shop. They're trying to get a very select type of person, both in their store and also engaging with them after they go home. All right. So let's go on to the next section. Three clips. Jay, you know that creativity is just the sum total of lots of hidden choices and little wins. So now let's deconstruct this show and try to make sense of it with three clips that can teach us something about being great showrunners. Okay, so clip number one is from episode 19, The Holiday Show. Uh, we're, let's play this clip. I have not heard this one before, and you were cackling to yourself when you said this to me. So here we go. This year at Trader Joe's, just for the holidays, watch us as we go, truffle all the way, with a truffle butter spread, and a truffle sauce that's just right. Try truffle brie with toasty bread, or truffle cheesy bites, oh, winter's on, so we've gone truffle all the way. Our truffle zest will make the best of your savory entree, yay, don't you skip this truffle dip for your wintertime soiree. For truffles go to Trader Joe's for the holidays. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> truffles, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my God. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I love that you love it. I I was like embarrassed for him. Uh, I too was embarrassed for him, but it just endeared them to me. Them being all of Trader Joe's. Well, okay. So I do want to deconstruct this. I also think that the best way to, the angle I want to take here is 
like, how is this anything but an ad? They, he was talking about the product that his company sells on a product show with the logo being front and center inside Trader Joe's. And like, to me, this just seems like, why would anybody want this, right? <laughs> I'm offended to hear that. But yes, no, I know what you mean. And I know uh, that it it's very, I mean, there's nothing... <laughs> it's so extra. There's nothing tame about it. Um, and I think that that is something that Trader Joe's has just leaned into completely wholeheartedly in their whole brand. They are what they are and they're unapologetic about it. And they even don't, you know, one of the things that I liked about this clip was that it's clearly, it was just this guy wrote it, this song. It's not, it's not the best song you'll ever hear. They didn't add it out any of his like vocal breaks or pitchiness. They just let him do it. And they, it was kind of a DIY, uh, you know, passionate about truffles, passionate about Trader Joe's kind of, uh, uh, representation of, of their company. And so that's part of what I liked about it. But another thing that I liked about it was, um, that one thing Trader Joe's kind of famously doesn't do a lot of marketing at all. But one thing that they do put out is their fearless flyer, which is, um, kind of like coupon, not even coupons. Cause I don't think they offer coupons, but product information about what's new or what's back, uh, what's seasonal that they put out relatively regularly. This is, um, well, this is for context. This is a print newsletter, right? It is. It's a, it's like on newsprint actually. And I, um, you can pick it up in their store. I can't, I feel like I might've gotten it in the mail, but I don't quote me on that. Um, but you're being recorded. You, you're literally, <laughs> being, you're literally being quoted, you're not even being quoted. It's just you. <laughs> Yeah, this is, should I, I'm going to lean it. I got it in the mail. Um, but it's (laughs) this, this recording felt this clip really felt like what reading the fearless flyer feels like to me because, um, it's, it's something, you know, they, they talked only about truffles. They talked about this seasonality of, uh, the products that they're offering. And that's something that the, the consistency is something uh, of the marketing there. That's something that we talk about a lot on MSR about, you know, you want as a brand to create something that your super fans recognize. And I think that Trader Joe's does that, whether or not you cringe listening to (laughs) this parody of, um, of a Christmas Carol, it's, it's something that you, it feels authentic, even if it feels also kind of uncomfortable to listen to. (laughs) Uh, I, I hate that you're talking me into this as a good idea. I do. Wow. <laughs> so I think... I love it. I know you love it because you are a super, 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 super fan of Trader Joe's. I'm, I'm just well, and a, a super, super cheesy person as a human. Fair enough. So. Uh, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just a, a fan. Like, I, I, I'm not a stan, as they say, as the children say. I'm a, I'm a fan. <laughs> and so I think, I think this is a show about knowing who your show is for, which sometimes means knowing who your brand is for, but it also means knowing the purpose of the show specifically within your brand. There's no reason a show has to be, and I'm using I'm using air quotes the size of my entire body here. There's no reason a show has to be brand awareness because that's kind of like we shrug and we're like, we don't know what it's for. We're just not going to measure it. And it's a cool thing, I guess. So uh, it's either going to build culture to attract employees or it's going to be for brand awareness. Like, no, you can do a show, first of all, shouldn't be for awareness, should be for affinity, because that's what we actually want. We don't want people to be aware of us. We want them to like us. Uh, But Trader Joe's does something that's not even touching those ideas, and yet it improves affinity. It's not touching awareness. It's about the people who already know, like, and love them and shop there want to go even deeper into how their business works. And by the way, I think this probably does help with employee retention too. That's another factor. They have, I think I heard them say on a show, a separate show, separate episode rather, they have 50,000 crew members. So that's not counting, I don't believe, corporate. And so this must make them feel good too, right? So it's a, and there's a lot of people who are all over the show saying, I've been here 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And so they love, love, love Trader Joe's as employees. So I hate that you're talking me into this as a good idea. <laughs> I, I'm happy to do it. And I also, you know, you're, whether intentionally or not, you're doing some pretty good foreshadowing for our next clip too. Well, I think maybe that's cause to get to the next clip. Ah, let's do it. Oh my goodness. I had a really tricky discussion with my neighbor and 
I was actually better prepared for it from that TJU, Trader Joe's University session. I'll tell you, we've had more than one um, mate come back to their second round of TJU training saying that it helped to save their marriage. Wow. Um, which is pretty powerful <laughs> stuff to hear, that the, the keys of listening to people and providing respect and sharing the way you're feeling and praising people um, help to strengthen their, their marriages even. And speaking of listening, we're going to be listening in on some classes at Trader Joe's University, or TJU, coming up a little bit later in this episode. Okay, so I'm going to let you start with this one because it's a little atypical of a clip and there's some context maybe missing. So what would you glean from that one? What, what can we learn as showrunners? Yeah, sure. So for some basic context, um, you heard them reference TJU. That's Trader Joe's University, which they send people on their management track to. And it's kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's classes and sessions to learn about the brand and how to embody the values of the brand um, in their everyday work. So this one I thought was interesting because it seems like this clip and this episode, uh, many parts of this episode are a recruitment tool as much as a marketing one. Um, and you know, they, they do spend a lot of time in this episode talking about how they're, you just mentioned this, Jay, there's a huge delta between the percentage of people in the corporate office and the um, percentage of people who are actual crew members. And the focus at Trader Joe's is really squarely on that latter group of people who are actually on the ground in the weeds. So, and they also, you know, they staff their their stores with tons of people. So I think trying to take a holistic approach to the, you know, training their people in a way that doesn't just benefit them in their job, but benefits them in their life. I think that, you know, I'll wager a guess that's something that's really important to Trader Joe's corporate office. And it's a reason that people end up staying at Trader Joe's as crew members for a really kind of unheard of amount of time in this day and age. Right. And I was struck by that because I, so I listened to almost the entire, I think I listened to the whole episode. It's about 18 minutes, this one. And it's titled, it's episode 14, Why Is Everyone So Nice? And right away I was like, okay, here comes the hard pitch for why they're so great and they have a great culture and everything's hunky-dory. And I started to listen and I felt that I went through this roller coaster. I was in a glass case of emotions or roller coaster of emotions. I was like, <laughs> This is terrible. This is great. This is amazing. This is awful. Like I just went and the reason I was thinking that and again, I am not the target audience here, but I do want marketers listening to understand that we have to be aware of this. There were moments where they were just telling you everyone's so nice. And then they had uh, somebody, I think they even talked to the president of Trader Joe's of why they're so nice. There w- there was moments where they showed you where they would like go in the field and talk to people and like you know, have stories that were shared. And I wanted more of that because when they talked about, well, here's this process that we use in our HR, you know, operations. I was like, this is interesting stuff for me just as a business person. Um, and if I was in a potential employee, I'd want to hear that. An existing employee, I'd feel prided for that. You know, so I was almost like they switched periodically from, it was an ad about how great they are. And in an ad, all you do is tell people to, it was a story about how a company can treat its people really well, retain talent, and be nice to everybody. And those were more story-driven. And I found myself wanting more of the latter. And I think the difference is conflict. What I wanted more in this episode was recognizing that there are problems in every organization. And where they never addressed it was, everyone is so nice. What about the people who aren't? What about the moments of weakness? Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Like, what what do you do in those scenarios, right? Acknowledge that, like, we're a group of people. We're 50,000 crew members plus corporate. It's messy. We're human beings. It's not all hunky-dory. And you can almost draw a line for the story arc or lack thereof that when you insert conflict or unknown questions or tension or stakes, the line arcs upward. Then you come back down to a conclusion. That's, a, that's an arc. It's a story arc. What this did for me was it was kind of like a flat line in too much of it. And so I think whether you're in B2B or you're in B2C, whether you're doing like really bottom of funnel, super fan focused content like this, or more general content that's just, you know, it's about getting people into your halo and introducing yourself to them, the themes you care about. It doesn't matter how self-referential or not, every single bit of content we need requires some kind of tension, some kind of conflict to get people to the end. And, and that's the golden rule of audio, quite frankly, is get them to the end. So, so that's my take on, on this moment here. 
That's a really good point. And I, you know, it's not something actually that I had thought of before. And I think that I, I don't think that B2B or really kind of any kind of branded marketing thinks about introducing conflict as often as they can. I think there, there are a lot of times when brands will say, let's take um, a controversial take on something and write a blog post about it. But in the end, it usually kind of circles back to like, but everything's fine. Um, and I think that is something that, especially if you're, if you're trying to use a more storytelling focused medium, which podcasting is, then there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's necessary. It's not just there's room for it. You need it. You need to have conflict to make it interesting and to, as you say, get people to listen all the way through. Uh, you know, I was listening to an interview with, um, it was Seth Godin being interviewed by Mitch Joel, who's a marketing speaker and author who I, I greatly admire and have gotten to know. And um, so Mitch and I have talked about some of Seth Godin's interworkings with content. So I want to hear when, when he asked Seth on the mic about podcasting, who did he admire, et cetera. And he talked about Brian Koppelman, who is a screenwriter. He wrote uh, Billions. Uh, he wrote Rounders, the movie. And he's like, Brian Koppelman, this is Seth Godin taking, uh, giving his take. He's like, Brian Koppelman is a great interviewer because he's willing to wade into uncomfortable topics and questions and ask the tough question that makes the guest feel uncomfortable. Not because he's trying to get you, not because he's selfish, but because he's trying to serve the listener. And he does so in a way that's tactful and he, he gets you there mentally first and emotionally first. So you trust and like him and you can talk freely about that. And too many hosts in the marketing world are unwilling to do that because they pander. They just stay flat. And so we don't need to say, and at Trader Joe's, one time we had this jerk and his name was Bill and this is what Bill, st no, but we can say, hey, look, there was this one time where somebody wasn't so nice. This one time. This episode is, right? Or there was a moment where it, it, it's hard. Let's just acknowledge it. It's hard. What was that like? What did it feel like to go through that? Can you recount some of the details you're comfortable sharing? What did it feel like? And then how did you get over it? So you can position it not as, this is broken, how terrible that person was, not everyone at Trader Joe's is nice. You can position it as a positive in the end, but you have to get through the negative first. And the positioning in the end is, Trader Joe's is excellent at solving problems when something does not align with their values. Yeah, really well said. Uh, thank you. Let's go to, <laughs> to the next clip. We had something called a sabik, and it's basically a pita sandwich. So you have half of a pita, and there's roasted eggplant, cabbage, pickled turnips, some hummus, and this thing called amba sauce, which is a pickled mango sauce. Um, and the combination of all these flavors is just kind of like an explosion in your mouth. As soon as we had that, we knew we had to bring it in for Trader Joe's. And it is, it's on the way. It'll be coming, so. Okay, that's from actually the episode we did in Snap Judgments, number nine, Around the World in 80 Trader Joe's Products give or take. Uh, Molly, you picked this clip. Why? What, what can we learn as showrunners? And not to belabor the point too much, but <laughs> I am a fan of Trader Joe's. And I, no. yeah, I know, shocking. But one of the things that I liked best about listening to this podcast is when they actually talk about <laughs> their products and their food and they describe them in detail. And I think you know, kind of zooming out, one of the things I think that this this clip shows well is how in a, an audio medium, you can make it visual and you can make it, you, you can kind of speak to more senses than just the aural experience that you're trying to create. Um, and I think they do that when they're talking about, you know, actually what the layers of what's on the pita. Like I get hungry when I listen to them talk about not just this one, but you know, other, other products that they're launching or that they're introducing in the store. And it also, I think speaks to part of why people frequent Trader Joe's and why they are fans in the first place. And it's because, you know, going to the grocery store in general is awful. Like you don't want to go. It's a chore. It's, there's long lines. People aren't that friendly. There's not a lot of interesting products. You just kind of like get your staples and then you go. But Trader Joe's I think is, is different in that it does feel like an experience. The other day I was telling my husband that I was going to go to Trader Joe's and he knew I was busy and he was like, oh no, I'll stop by on my way home. Like I'll save you some time. And I kept 
kind of hedging and be like, no, it's fine. Then I finally was like, stop being nice to me. I want to go to Trader Joe's. This is a good thing. This is fun. I like to walk around and see what's new and (laughs) you get all these ideas for these delicious meals I'm going to make by myself when I'm working from home. And I think that this clip kind of reinforces what I think other fans must feel when they go to the stores and that it's you're getting an experience that you don't get when you go grocery shopping elsewhere. Even if what they're talking about, like pita and cucumbers and tomatoes and hummus, it's something that you could get in any grocery store. But at Trader Joe's, they make it seem so much more of a novelty. They've earned the right, it seems, to talk about product and talk about themselves because they've put in the work to create a great experience such that the folks who are experiencing Oh, God, I almost said experiencing that experience. The (laughs) folks that are experiencing their store and experiencing their brand come away wanting to go deeper. And I feel like too often we leap too soon to ourselves. Uh, A really easy example is I was talking to a woman over coffee this morning who was entering a new job and the interviewer, I think it was her future boss her now boss was talking about like the prospect of her launching a new podcast for the company. And she was talking to me about measurement and tools and tactics and all these things and and I could tell she was really concerned. And I was like, what, what's your biggest concern? Let's, let's address that. Because she was kind of bopping around. And I said, what's your biggest concern? And she said, I want to have the ability to convey to my boss or to other people that the show is working before it's big. Because I want to do something special. I want to do something meaningful. And I was like, that's an amazing attitude. And it's a, also a very difficult challenge. So I told her two things. I said, one, up front, you have to acknowledge that this is chess, not checkers that this is a move that helps the next move that helps the next move that helps the next move that helps you win. This is not direct marketing. And if you, if they want checkers, if they want to play checkers, you need to know that up front. Cause if you don't know that up front, you start playing chess, they ask questions about your podcast and you think it's because they want data, but really it's because they think you're playing a different game. So you need to get clarity and alignment up front. The second thing I said was you have to ask yourself what's next. If they listen, that's great. What's next. If you're selling ads, you're done. You're like, okay, they listened. A lot of people listen. Great. Sell it to an advertiser. Like we have all these downloads. Don't you want to advertise? Not as content marketers. We sell products. We sell experiences. We get, we have to get action out of people. And so often we leap from, they listen to, well, now are they a lead? Right? We leap too, too close to what Trader Joe's does. But they've put in the work over decades, offline and online, to earn the right to now, when they talk about their product, Molly Donovan goes, I love when they talk about their product. I was shocked to hear you say that. This is a brand talking about their own product and you're like, hell yes. It's crazy. I think it's a cautionary tale, kind of as you're saying. I don't think this is something that every brand should do. I don't think just talking about your products is actually a good idea for most brands. I think that it's kind of a bad idea for a lot of brands and that's maybe because they haven't created that that experience and developed that relationship with their customers that they know they have. So they know that people like me are going to listen and say, oh, I want to hear more about that. And then I'm going to go in the store and I'm going to ask about it, or I'm going to try to find it myself. Molly, here's a paradox. The moment we exceed someone's expectations, we've changed their expectations. It's like the very act of doing something they like makes it harder to consistently do something they like because stagnation is the enemy. And that means reinvention is our friend. So let's talk about the small but refreshing changes that this show might try to reinvent itself and consistently exceed listener expectations. We've both come up with an idea that we think can help. So Molly, why don't you go first? So we've talked a number of times on this episode about how Trader Joe's is a pretty Inside Trader Joe's is a pretty self-referential podcast. And we've also talked about how that kind of works for them. Um, But I think that you could add a wrinkle where you remix it a little bit by introducing a couple new voices that were outside of this very protective bubble that is Trader Joe's. Um, A lot of the time on each of these episodes and on the show, they talk about uh, their regular customers and how the regular customers are delightful and how their best employees understand what the regular customers want and they know them personally and they can help them. I, as a listener, would love to hear some of the voices of these regular customers in addition to the people who actually work at Trader Joe's. I feel like it could take it from telling to showing, you know? Right, right. I love that. And I think it speaks to why the show exists, right? It exists to go deeper with people that are already really interested in them, not 
broader to try to attract an initial group of people who've never heard of Trader Joe's or only casually shop there. Exactly. Um, so that's right in line with the theme of the show, and it would provide a ref- nice ref- refresh to it. I love that. Um, my wrinkle is so I have an analogy to start. The analogy is actually paying off my little tease at the beginning of the episode where I talked about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, the analogy involves Tony Stark and Iron Man. So Tony Stark is a billionaire, very charming, whatever, uh, but he needs the Iron Man suit, this construct around him to become a superhero. And I think this show is teetering on the edge of being a superhero show, being unbelievable, being world-class. It's so close, I think. And you'll hear a little bit about my final score in the next section, but I think we could put it over the top is, again, to go deeper with existing fans, can they create some more constructs? In other words, some segmentation or recurring gags or segments. You know, the classic example, which is beaten to death, is the lightning round of questions at the very end, but you're even seeing what we're doing here on this show, like three clips has a structure to it. And the more you listen, the more you get to know the structure, the more we do it, the more we'll remix the structure, have little inside jokes for people. Um, I feel like they have room to do some kind of section experimentation that gives you a, a more communal feel, lets you go deeper. Cause you're like, ah, I love when they do this stuff. Right. So that could be within an episode and it recurs. That could be every few episodes they do the section or the joke, or that could be a, sp- a specific type of episode that they run infrequently, but consistently. Um, so I, that's my thing is like build the Iron Man suit, build a construct that lets you, the host, step into it as a showrunner and you become super powered, right? Because you know how to use this thing. It's got all these parts and pieces. You become so much better at this than if you just sort of wing it or write an, a, a, a well-written script, but ultimately not a segmented one. I love it. Okay, so now, the moment you've all been waiting for. Inside Trader Joe's final score. We are awarding this score on a highly detailed and completely unscientific system based on a mm, probably unhealthy amount of time spent reviewing branded podcasts. We'll each award the show a score and identify where it stacks up in the pantheon of popular podcasts, the, the shrine of shining shows, but most importantly, the cathedral of content customers crave. All right, you go first, Jay. I'm feeling very inspired to go look at some gothic architecture right now. That's really good. Uh, okay. I, I mentioned, I teased it a little bit, but my score here is 8.5. Wow. 8.5. Higher than I thought. Yeah. So, and it's funny. I think maybe if you listened this far, you're like, wow, Jay's really sour on this perhaps. But here's here's my take. I dislike it, but I love it. <laughs> I dislike it because I, the human being, Jay Akonzo, who consumes groceries probably at an unhealthy rate, uh, especially in the wintertime, I dislike it as a potential consumer of this show. It's not for me. I And I shop at Trader Joe's once in a while. So it's it's still not for me. Um, and I love it because it speaks to the, the need to know who we're for, the need to appeal more deeply instead of broadly, the need to get people to stick around and not just arrive to something that we do as marketers. So... I'm not a fan or a listener, but I'm a fan of this strategy. Go deeper with people that already signal that they really, really like you. Um, The way I liken this is very aptly to food. I have an analogy from running a restaurant. If you run a restaurant, which I never have run a restaurant, so I don't want to claim that I know everything that goes on, but if you run a restaurant... At first, you just have warm-blooded people sitting in your chairs eating your food, and that's a that's a win. But eventually, you want to get to the point where you have people that come back, and some of them turn into known regulars that you see, and then you learn their names, and then you give those people buybacks, like a little appetizer they didn't expect or a free drink. Then you invite them to exclusive things once in a while or access to stuff or even bigger events or your next restaurant. or you know, Then you get them to, without you asking them, refer their friends to the restaurant, right? That's what we have to do when we think about running shows even if we're not talking about ourselves how do you go deeper how do you make people feel like they're behind the red velvet line they're in the vip section that's what a show is but then you have to provide them the next vip section it keeps getting deeper and deeper so i dislike it as a consumer i actually really love it as a marketer wow (laughs) i didn't see that coming and i think you're going to be a little surprised by my score which is 7.8 And the reason that it's (laughs) lower than yours is because I do like it as a consumer, but 
there, and I also like it as a marketer for the reasons that you touched on that we've discussed, but I, I have this sticking point in that I think that I don't see a world in which Inside Trader Joe's is anyone's absolute favorite show, unless maybe they already work at Trader Joe's. But I've been thinking about that a lot recently. We've been talking about how if you're going to create something, you need to create something that is somebody's favorite, not just their favorite branded show or their favorite business podcast, but their favorite show full stop. And I think that the way these episodes are now, you know, I can see myself going and listening to a couple that seem interesting to me. Like if I want to listen to something about, you know, Trader Joe's frozen foods, I might listen to that episode. Or if I have some time to kill, I might listen to one and I would enjoy listening. But I don't think that I I just, I can't imagine that there are people who are subscribing and waiting to see every single episode because, you know, there's, it's a feel good show, but what, what's next? And I don't know if it answers that question. So I love what they've done in terms of creating something for super fans, but I'm not sure that this show as it stands is that favorite show, even for a super fan. As always a quick reminder, if you like this show, please subscribe to our monthly newsletter, MSR monthly. You're going to get one new insight about making great shows. Plus a roundup of all the best stuff that we've published or found about making great shows and make great podcasts and video series. Um, that's MSR monthly goes out at the last Friday of every month. And it's uh, there's a link in the show notes to subscribe or head over to marketing showrunners.com. Thank you to Casted, our presenting sponsor. If you're a B2B marketer, check out their platform to help you turn your show into a brand building, audience delighting, results driving asset. Visit casted.us to learn more. And Molly, you hinted at it before, the need to be someone's favorite. Why? Because you stick around with things that are your favorite. It used to be that you'd tolerate something droll and boring and commodity, but we have choice today. So the only thing you stick with are your favorites. We want to help you make your audience's favorite show so you can be their favorite brand. And why? Because marketing is not about who arrives. It's about who stays. So I want to thank you, the listener, for staying with us. And we'll see you next Monday morning for a new episode of Three Clips. See ya. This week's recommended read, The Season 2 Problem, How to Reinvent Your Brand Show to Grow Audience. Read this piece to learn how to keep your show fresh and your audience engaged, and find out the five ways to reinvent your show. That's The Season 2 Problem, How to Reinvent Your Brand Show to Grow Audience. Check your show notes for the link.